Thank you, Keith. Um, I was uh, thinking back to a sermon Richard did recently. Um, he's been doing a series on the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are the something because something will happen, uh, in the beginning of Matthew's Gospel. There's a few of them. Uh, there was one in particular he preached on, and uh, it was blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. And I just came away thinking, why are they going to inherit the earth? Why does meekness lead to that particular blessing? And I, it's a sort of conversation I was having with God in passing, a sort of passing prayer. And um, in preparation for this talk, I hope I've got a sort of some further revelation into that idea. So that's kind of one of the sort of themes that hopefully will come out from it. But the original um, idea came... Uh, from reading to Isabel in the evening. Yes, I still read to Isabel in the evening. It's a joy. Uh, We were reading, we have been reading, Corrie Ten Boom's books. I don't know if you've ever read any of Corrie Ten Boom's story. Uh, I think at least one of them, The Hiding Place, was turned into a film. Is that right? Has anyone seen it? Anyway, this is a Dutch lady. Uh, She was raised in a very tall, thin Dutch house. Uh, Her father was a clock. Uh, a watch mender, he and she trained and worked in the in the house as well. Uh, she was probably in a, I think by the time the Second World War started, she was about 55 or so, maybe 60. And Holland was overrun by the Germans, and she and her father and her sister, plus all of the uh, other various underground people who were operating out of their house, uh, were arrested in about 1944. And it recounts the story of all of that. Uh, they were hiding Jews. Portions of Jews weren't found because they were so well hidden. Um, but she, Corrie, and her sister, Betsy, eventually ended up in the notorious women's concentration camp called Ravensbrück, which was in Germany. And I just want to uh, read a couple of tiny bits from there because it's relevant to... to um, to the message for today. So, the, uh, here we go. Page 358. Right. Okay, are you ready? Are you comfortable? <laughs> Fridays. So this is in Ravensbrück Concentration Camp. The recurrent humiliation of medical inspection. The hospital corridor in which we waited was unheated, and a fall chill had settled into the walls. Still, we were forbidden even to wrap ourselves in our own arms. I had to maintain our erect hands-at-sides position as we filed slowly past a phalanx of grinning guards. How there could have been any pleasure in the sight of those stick-thin legs and hunger-bloated stomachs, I could not imagine. Surely there is no more wretched sight than the human body unloved and uncared for. Nor could I see the necessity for the complete undressing. When we finally reached the examining room, a doctor looked down each throat, another, a dentist presumably, at our teeth, a third between each finger, and that was all. We trooped again down the long, cold corridor and picked up our X-marked dresses at the door. And I just was thinking about that uh, and thinking about 
Why? Why were these women who were clearly emaciated being humiliated by walking past this phalanx of German guards? And I think the key word was humiliated. This was part of the systematic humiliation of the prisoners in that concentration camp. That was part of the, what they were doing. But the story goes on. But it was one of these mornings while we were waiting, shivering in the corridor, that yet another page in the Bible leapt into life for me. He hung naked on the cross. I had not known, I had not thought the paintings, the carved crucifixes, showed at least a scrap of cloth, but this I suddenly knew was the respect and reverence of the artist. But oh, at the time itself, on that other Friday morning, there had been no reverence, no more than I saw in the faces around us now. I leaned towards Betsy, ahead of me in the line, her shoulder blades stood out sharp and thin, beneath her blue mottled skin. Betsy, they took his clothes too. Ahead of me I heard a little gasp, oh Corrie, and I never thanked him. That got me thinking. Why did Jesus go through that humiliation? And it is the all-powerful God manifest in a man he could, could he not have manipulated things in some way to influence his death? He could, could he not have perhaps have um, made it so that he was at least wearing something? Uh, but no, he chose. He must have done. He chose that humiliation of being crucified out on the cross with all the people seeing naked. And I got me thinking, why? Why did God go through this? Why did he do this? And a few thoughts came to mind. A few thoughts which I'm going to just briefly unpack. One of which is, I think just relates right back to that story. Which is that there is a comfort. There was a comfort for Corrie and her sister Betsy knowing that Christ knew how they felt. That their God, whom they worshipped, had known that same humiliation. There was a comfort to them. But I think there's also in it that he was showing us the way. He was showing us something that we need to notice. It was something about how we live our lives that we need to take on board. That he was showing it. There was a demonstration in his, humili in his humiliation and his humility in allowing himself to be humiliated like that. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, he was showing us something here, and we need to respond to that. There is a choice. Uh, you remember that beatitude said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And I think there's an element of the meaning of the word meekness, not a word we use a lot nowadays, is being prepared to be humiliated to surrender our pride, to follow him wherever our, whatever our wisdom and our thoughts and our parents and our surroundings and our friends say, we're presented, aren't we, in our life all the time with choices. Are we going to follow him or are we going to do 
for our friends and our society and our parents and our whatever say we should do? Are we going to follow him, which may lead to us being humiliated, who knows? Or are we going to preserve our pride and do what we think is best? Always that tension as Christians. How we, who is going to be in charge in our life? Are we going to trust him and go wherever he leads us, which for Corrie and Betsy was to Ravensbrück concentration camp, and if you read the story, and I highly recommend you read these books, uh, The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom. It's an easy read, but it's in the sense of it's written in an easy way. It's not an easy read in terms of the content. But they end up being able to smuggling a Bible into the uh, massive sheds where the women slept. And they were reading the Bible and praying and singing and praising God in there, in this flea-infested pit where they lived. And they even, there's a little comic moment, because Betsy says we must thank God for everything, including the fleas. And Corey's thinking, no, I can't thank God for the fleas, there is some, but it was because of the fleas that the guards wouldn't go in. So they had the freedom to do what they wanted to do. Uh, it's, it's an amazing story. Please read it. But we don't know where God's going to lead us. And they never would have imagined that they were going to be led down that road. And yet, through being led down that road, they brought an enormous blessing to an awful lot of other people who were there too. And it's when we surrender ourselves, when we are willing to follow God, to be meek, that he is able to work through us to build his kingdom. It is through that working through us to build his kingdom that the earth is inherited. So that's how I kind of got my head around this, meek shall inherit the earth. It's all about being meek, being following, coming under his authority, and then he can then work through us to do as he wishes. There's this well-known verse in John's Gospel. It says, um, John chapter 15, those of you are whizzy on the phones, you get that faster than me. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 15, there's a few verses that are going to come to in this talk. Uh, John chapter 15, verses at the beginning. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. I think this is speaking of the same thing. If we are willing to be meek and surrender and make those choices, follow God rather than what the world is saying we should do, then we are tapped into the true vine, we are able to be fruitful in God's sense. But if we don't follow that plan, then he prunes us. And pruning, I don't imagine that's particularly comfortable, as God prunes us so that we become more fruitful. Yes, last Sunday I was um, interviewed at St. Peter's Church in Chertsey, who also partner with us in doing CAP. They provide a number of volunteers, and they pray for us, and so on. (coughs) And hopefully in due course might be able to persuade them to give us money as well. Um, But anyway, I I, I was interviewed at St. Peter's, and then um, their pastor there, Tim, he spoke. And he spoke on a, a really challenging 
scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to change, turn to that. And it's funny, you know, when I, I knew that I had, to, I, I volunteered myself to speak today, because I had this thought going in my mind about Jesus on the cross and, and all of this, and I thought there's, that there was something that wasn't quite tying it all together. And I was sitting there and listening to Tim speaking, and suddenly it's like, quick, get my notebook out, write down, because tied it all together for me. So anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, in my notes here it says, starting at verse 11. But no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will, will be revealed with fire. And the fire will twist, test the quality of each person's work. If, there ha if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. This is talking about what do we do with the foundation that God has built? We build our lives on Jesus Christ, the rock. There's that foundation. What are we going to build on it? Are we going to build gold, silver, precious stones? Or are we going to build straw and whatever else it said in that thing? Because whatever we build on that life of Jesus Christ will be tested with fire. I told you it wasn't an easy scripture. Right? It's a bit like that pruning. So what we have, what God has built in us, is going to be tested with hard things. Life is going to go through times where it is challenging and difficult. And the things that are not of God, the things that are not good, things that are not built by submitting ourselves to his will, will be burnt up. And we will escape as one escapes from the fire. So we're faced with this choice. Are we willing to be meek, and make those decisions and follow God and do what he is calling us to do and build our lives on that? Or are we going to follow our own decisions and do what the world is suggesting we should do in all different aspects of our life? Which way are we going to go? Because it will get tested with fire and that book is good will stay and stand and will be fruitful and bear many grapes and will inherit the earth and that that isn't good will be burnt up. There was, I've been reading, I kind of work my way through the Bible slowly, it takes about two years, I have mean. one of these Bibles in a year thing, but I don't quite manage to do it in a year. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's some various bits I've been reading in um, Leviticus, it's never my favourite part of the Bible. There's Old Testament books. Genesis, the stories, okay. It gets into Exodus, and I'm still okay. And then it gets into Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and I'm struggling a bit. Um, anyway, there's this curious bit in Leviticus, chapter 7, verse 28 to 34. And it's talking about the fellowship offering. So there were lots of offerings done. At, the, at this point in the story, it's a tabernacle, it's a tent. Um, and there's lots of offerings that the 
uh, Israelite community have to bring to God for guilt, for sin, for, uh, for the harvest, for the grain, and, and whatever. And, and fellowship offerings, like a worship offering, in my mind. And it says this little bit at verse 28 of verse seven, chapter 7. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, Anyone who brings a fellowship offering to the Lord is to bring part of it as their sacrifice to the Lord. With their own hands, they are to present the food offering to the Lord. They are to bring the fat, together with the breast, and wave the breast before the Lord as a wave offering. Are you thinking in my mind what I'm thinking? They bring some food, there's a piece of breast meat, and then what are they doing with it? They're waving it. It talks about it a few times. The wave offering. Now, I, I am a bit baffled by the wave offering, I have to be perfectly honest. But in my mind, I wonder whether this is about surrendering a bit of our own dignity. Humbling ourselves before God doing something that appears somewhat silly. Waving a piece of breast meat before God. Is there not, that wouldn't be an easy thing to do. In my mind, I would find that quite hard to do. If it was private, it was very dark, nobody else could, I knew nobody could see, maybe I could manage it, but in a public setting, in the tabernacle, in this holy place with lots of people around, I'm going to take my offering, I'm going to take the breast meat, and I'm going to wave it. I, think, I, I don't know. I wonder whether that's about humbling themselves before God. He's asked them to do something that seemed a little bit crazy, Am I allowed to say that about something God's asked us to do? I don't know. Um, it seems a little bit mad, but there is choosing to be obedient and doing it anyway does something else. And I think there's an element of that same thing about Jesus showing us the way when he was crucified. He showed us the way. He said, oh, he is going to follow the humble path. He's going to be hung naked on the cross. And he showed us that was the right way to go. And in our worship, Perhaps there is an element too where we, when we worship, need to be willing to take ourselves a little bit out of our comfort zone. To clap, sometimes, maybe, dance, sing a little louder than you might want to, sing in harmony, if you know how to do that. <laughs> Wave your hands, perhaps. Why? Because it's part of us saying, actually, God, you matter more. You matter more um, than, than I do. I want to humble myself before you. I want to offer something in my worship. That is me humbling myself. Is anybody looking? And No, we don't look at each other in worship, do we? We'll concentrate very much at the front, just in case. But um, for anybody looking, might see us and might see us and think, they look at the city. But it's part of our offering to God. A sacrifice. A sacrifice of worship. Exactly right. So, that's where I got to in thinking about Jesus on the cross, not wearing so many clothes, not wearing any at all. I told Richard I was speaking about naked Christ and he was, uh, I think, a little concerned in his absence about where we were going with this. But I just want to finish up by just giving us all a moment to contemplate where we're, at, where we're at with God, where we're at in terms of our lives, and just and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that we would have the courage to be 
be humble and follow wherever God's leading us. Even if that is not in the direction that the world and society suggests we should go. And that we would have the courage in our worship as well to be offering him a sacrifice of praise. And then maybe we could do a wave. Right? So let's have a minute of quiet. Heavenly Father, help us to know where you are leading and to follow. To have the courage to do what is right. Surrendering ourselves to you, even if it looks foolish, even if it leads to being humbled, even if it isn't what the world says we should do or our family says we should do, we would be able to follow you knowing that in your word it ext- you say this is how your kingdom is built. Meek shall inherit the earth. Knowing that this is the root of fruitfulness. Long, Lord, we long for fruitfulness. We long to see more people coming to know you. We long to see breakthrough in this land and in this town of Abyssinia. Help us to be brave, courageous, following your example, for you showed us the way at the cross. You humbled yourself. Jesus' name. So, let's have a wave offering to God. Are you ready? If you should feel a little silly, that's the point. So everybody stand up. We could do it like a Mexican wave, Josh, if you like. I was thinking more of a silly wave, like this. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Help us to be a little bit sillier in worship to you. Amen.